like, yeah, some people work out because they want like summer bodies. I do push-ups and I'm like, I will outrun the zombies. (laughs) And that's just what motivates me. Amazing. Okay, so... Yeah, should we start follow-up? Yeah, you have the first item of follow-up, don't you? Yes, so this is for for those who listened to the last episode where we were talking about um, what we say when people get in touch with us and they're asking us the same question over and over again. And I didn't remember specifically what you said. And I was talking about homework and stuff. But I found the actual thing that you say. Because I had written it down. So you wrote it down, yeah. <laughs> because I thought it was so great. And I knew I would remember it. Turns out that was true. <laughs> so I'm going to read to you what you say. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> so you say, hey, I think... Okay, so imagine... I'm painting a picture here for the audience. So imagine... Somebody has emailed Hayley about something she gets lots of emails about. And she has to reply in a polite and professional manner. So what she'll say is, hey, I think a really good place to start is with these posts. Those are posts she has previously written. Let me know when you've had a chance to lick them over. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I do. <laughs> so polite and so sweet. Yeah, it kind of lets you... Let them do their work. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to think back. And I think this came up first when I started writing. I like randomly in my past, I used to freelance. At one point, I did editing of LinkedIn profiles for people. And I had a lot of people reaching out to me asking how to improve their LinkedIn profile. But I happened to have written many articles about it on my own blog. So I just started sending them links. And it worked out really well because usually the thing that people wanted to know from me could be figured out with the links that I sent them. But I did this to someone recently. And now that you bring it up, I remember. And she was talking to me about her career And I pointed her to an episode of a podcast interview that I recorded on another podcast. And I was like, I really don't have career answers for you. I said it more nicely than this. But I was like, but (laughs) this interview with this girl, she made me rethink my whole life. So I hope she can be helpful to you as well. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, we should maybe link to that podcast episode as well in the show notes. I am happy to. I'm happy to. But yeah, I think it's it's just kind of like a lot of times you get the same questions and streamlining it in a really nice way. And if someone is serious about actually wanting to, let's say, improve their LinkedIn profile themselves rather than just wanting you to improve their LinkedIn profile, then they'll do the homework. So that's kind of also weeding out the people who are serious. Yeah, I, I also think sometimes, especially if you're brand new to a field, you don't even know what you don't know like you don't know the vocabulary you don't know what you need so I find it sometimes just by framing the problem in a post people can then go on and find the answers they specifically need yeah absolutely I totally agree yeah all right that was your that was item one I don't want to follow up all right my follow-up item is that in the last episode you were at People are going to kind of get annoyed with me for continuing to bring up Harry Potter. (laughs) But you were at the sixth Harry Potter book, and I just want to know uh, where you're at now. 
Oh, yeah. I finished that a long time ago. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's so done. And it it's interesting because I don't know if I really like the ending of Harry Potter. No spoilers, Ooh. but like, so I think everything I have to say about the Harry Potter books, I said in the last episode. So I don't really have anything to add other than maybe ask you, have you started reading the Harry Potter books again or are you waiting for a better moment in time? I have not yet, although just today I was browsing on Kindle Amazon and it's seriously ridiculous. We've talked about how popular Harry Potter is, but I just, I don't know if I had it properly contexted in my mind. I went to the Amazon top Kindle reads for this week, just for this week, like what people are reading Mm -hmm. right now. And there were three different Harry Potter books on there. Three. Three. And I was like, what is happening? So I have not started reading them yet, but I will start reading them soon. Um, And yeah, we can follow up on this in the reading section. We can follow up on this. Yeah. But yeah, this is a conversation we had privately, but see, not everyone has read Harry Potter, you know? Sometimes people think because they've been out for so long, you know, that everyone has read them, but no. You know, a lot of people just haven't gotten around to it yet. People do things at their own pace. People will do things at their own pace. So it turns out Harry Potter is popular this week. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> I will. I, maybe I'll go screenshot that list and share it in the show notes also because I just I thought it was hilarious. I was like, really, really. <laughs> maybe you can have future follow up where you also check the top list on Kindle and see if there's any more Harry Potter this is my way to continue talking about Harry Potter in the podcast. Is I'm going oh to gosh. frame it like it's the top Kindle books, but really there's always a Harry Potter one in there. <laughs> Great. I can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. there was one more follow-up item, and I think it was from our last week's topic. Didn't you have one more thing you wanted to add there? Yeah. This is almost just like a clarification because I feel like we were talking a lot about um, what purpose different social media platforms serve and how you kind of structure the different people you have on the different platforms but I think we were talking about it more in the content that gets posted but what I think is really interesting is that social networks they they've kind of stopped being super about connecting with your friends and seeing what everybody's up to and I feel like a lot of the just talking to your actual friends or your actual people. It happens in private groups. Yeah. And it could either be private groups on Facebook or it could be these private messaging groups. Like WhatsApp does that now and Facebook Messenger and lots of other platforms. So I just find that a really interesting transition where like you used to broadcast everything you were doing and now you only really broadcast something big and your kind of day-to-day stuff is just in private chats. Yeah, that's so accurate. Even if you do the like Facebook time capsule where it's like on this day, honestly, for me, it was always just back and forth chats with friends. <laughs> yeah. And I'm always like, well, we weren't very interesting. Like we were talking about homework. <laughs> so I think that is totally changed. I totally agree. And even you see places like um, even when you saw Snapchat made an app update where you could have group snaps Mm -hmm. and that was just essentially leaning into this idea that you're usually messaging people in groups now privately and not just broadcasting to them yeah I've actually found that most of my conversations now happen in groups especially if it's just 
super casual like oh who's free what are you guys doing that kind of stuff it is it tends to just become some kind of group where those conversations happen but that is obviously with actual friends and not with you know more kind of professional outwards things yeah and I think maybe that's the difference like we were chatting about last week we were kind of chatting about like the professional distinction between like humans that we want to hang with and then like other professional people or people we maybe don't know yeah I actually think this kind of strengthens not to be mean or anything but I think (laughs) this, (laughs) this kind of because you're so selective of what you post publicly anyway I think that's why I'm more don't care who's my on my Facebook or whatever just because I'm like it's none of that is super personal anyway because all the personal stuff is just in private chats anyway. That's true. That's true. I guess if I start adding people that I don't really know, the only thing is I would definitely go through and unfollow them on Facebook, which is like (laughs) one of my favorite Facebook features. And if you do not know about this, you just go on someone's profile and there's like three dots or something like that that you click on and you can unfollow and they don't show up in your newsfeed. So like if you need to be friends with this person for some reason – yeah. for like weird society reasons but you don't <laughs> want to see any of their posts you can unfollow them yeah. and I have done that to many people but so like that would be the problem if I started befriending people that I didn't actually consider friends or people that I wanted to follow up with or were just random strangers on the internet and I wasn't interested in their work at all I would just have all these people that I would be unfriending and it's kind of like at that point what's the what's the point or not unfriending yeah, unfollowing Oh, and also, this is a slight tangent, but I think this is kind of relevant still, where I think the beginning of the end for Facebook Messenger has started to happen. So I'd say Facebook Messenger is probably my primary source of chats and where I catch up with my friends and where I organize all of that. But literally last week, I had commented on like a brand Facebook page. I think I actually tagged you. I think it was like a goat thing. (laughs) That is something we're going to have to bring up eventually. (laughs) That's too long to talk about right now. (laughs) Um, If anyone follows me on Twitter or something, I'm sure you've seen some goats floating around. But anyway, (laughs) but then the brand contacted me and they were like, thank you for your comment. Here's our product if you want to buy it. Oh, my gosh. And I just got like a bad taste in my mouth. And I was like, ah. This is how this is going to go now. Brands can just contact me directly because I, well, I did technically comment on their thing. But still. I didn't realize that enabled them to message me privately with an ad. I think that's. So this is the, this is the line for you is that you don't want strangers or brands in your Facebook messenger. No. And actually, even, even if I have people, I know. So we talked about how my Facebook is almost like personal slash professional. Even if I have somebody who I know and they message me professionally about something on Facebook, I very kindly just say, oh, thank you for thinking of me or whatever. Could you please email this to me? Because yes. I really don't want to have this conversation. Also, just for documentation, like what if yeah. I have to find this conversation again? So yeah, I'm actually I'm actually a little bit strict about that. If, if people try to talk to me, professionally in Facebook Messenger I just kindly ask them to not do that yeah I, I I did the same thing it's funny though I hadn't had this happen to me 
until recently where I had a reporter um, that I was in touch with before. Well, yeah, a reporter, a writer. And she messaged me on Facebook to try and get an interview with my CEO. Mm -hmm. But I was like, yes, exactly. What? I was like, um. That is so rude. You have my email. We have communicated via email. And I think I made that. I was just like, well, send me an email. I would not have responded to that. The answer is the same. But I do that to people on Twitter, too. Sometimes I have people tweet me questions. And I'm like, can you just email this to me? Like, it's going to get lost on Twitter. If you really want a response, send me an email. And that's where I'm more reliable, which is kind of interesting. That email is, I feel like it's almost coming full circle for in some ways. Yeah, email. I I take my email quite seriously. I think if somebody emails me, I, I will read that and I will respond to that. Absolutely. Whereas if someone tags me in a comment, like it, the goat comment is a really good example where I think I just <laughs> reacted with haha, but I didn't <laughs> comment or I didn't like nothing else happened uh, because that was that was it. That was like my reaction was haha. <laughs> <laughs> that was also not a professional interaction. That's, are you sure? <laughs> this is actually funny because we're obviously kind of friends, but then we do the kind podcast of. now. Kind of friends, I guess. We, I guess if we have to put, you know, a label on it. But it's funny because we talk privately on Facebook Messenger, but then we have a Slack for work stuff. That's true. So it's funny how we have a divide. I don't know. I would feel really uncomfortable about asking you on Facebook Messenger about something related to podcasts <laughs> I would feel like I was crossing a line even though we're the same people <laughs> we're sitting at the same computer <laughs> hey have you have you uploaded the show notes no happy no because you're messaging me on Facebook <laughs> I honestly would think that would be a valid and fair response on your behalf I, I uh, this so this is so interesting though um I like that you preface this by saying it's the beginning of the end of Facebook Messenger mm-hmm See, I have the same problem. I talk to a lot of my friends through Facebook Messenger, but recently, for some reason, I've started getting people's numbers again. I don't know why this is cool again. Maybe it's just because my number hasn't changed in a long time and it used to shift very frequently. So now, if people have iPhones, I usually just use iMessage with them throughout the day. So for me, it's kind of been like a, I've gone back to texting, which is oh, wow. weird, That's right? That's it's kind of weird. <laughs> the if, if somebody would just read my text, and nothing else, they would think I was the saddest human alive <laughs> because the only texts I get are like authentication codes from my bank. Yeah. Um, my phone provider reminds me to pay my bills. <laughs> and only people that connect, like contact me through text is brands. But especially in London, WhatsApp's really big. Yeah. But I don't know. I've never really gotten into WhatsApp. It's not that I'm against it. I just, I don't know. I'm but I might, I might have to move to WhatsApp if Facebook Messenger is just going to be selling my. Well, I know it already does that anyway. But if brands are literally going to be able just to spam me on Facebook Messenger, I I would stop using that very quickly. Yeah, I think I'll be in the same boat, and I will find other ways to contact people. I will. <laughs> yeah, there's about a thousand available. <laughs> I'm just going to invite all of my Facebook friends to like my own Slack community. <laughs> this is actually interesting though, because I think Slack is actually getting really noisy. And now I, I wouldn't want more communication on Slack. 
than I already have. I agree. I think that Slack is very beneficial right for me right now in like a purely like I would say work and networking and that's it. And it's, so it's like either it's always under the umbrella of professional. If I'm not in, you know, my work Slack or our make work work Slack, I have a couple of other communities that I'm a part of, but they're all very like they're very professionally oriented. I've tried to be a member of a couple of slacks, but I get lost so quickly. I I feel like I almost want to talk about this more at some other point, just because I don't know how to network on Slack. And there are some really interesting communities I'm a part of, but to me it's almost exclusively noise. And I find it very difficult to get some value out of it. Unless I would spend like 10 hours in the community Slack, but I feel I find it very difficult to see how that's a good use of my time over other ways of potentially networking, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, do you want to know my super quick trick for this? Yeah, actually, yeah. I had, okay, I had a couple of different Slack communities that I was a part of just because there was this moment in time where it was just cool for everyone to have a Slack community. And maybe we're still in that moment. So I got a lot of invites um, and I would stay in them for a little while. And then when I realized if I haven't gone in and checked it in a month, I just removed it. So now I'm down to, I think, five, which is pretty good because like three of them are work related. <laughs> and actually, maybe I'm at six. But so my my thing is I mute channels all the time because I don't like having the the little unread notification that pops up that Slack will send you. Even if you haven't been tagged in something, there's just the little mm -hmm. dot that tells you that something is unread in a channel. So mm -hmm. what I do with the channels, so one of the communities that I'm a part of is called she nomads and i've muted all of the channels except for career talk money and podcasts which are three of my favorite interests and so i'll only participate in those channels but i can still see the other ones so i guess my tip is to like only use the channels that are interesting but i don't know if that is maybe not as similar to the way that you use slack channels mm, i don't know i just to me it's really weird to use slack when you don't know the people I know that sounds really weird and it's like the definition of a community is that it's a conversation within a niche and so therefore you won't know everybody. And I know people have met and gotten to know each other through Slack communities, but I just, I don't know, I feel like I'm better in person than on the internet sometimes. <laughs> That's completely <laughs> acceptable and that is completely yeah. acceptable. Yeah. This is interesting. I feel like we'll probably end up following up on Slack at some point in the future. I yeah, yeah, I think we should, I think we should like, um, definitely follow up on Slack at some other point. I was reading some interesting articles, but I kind of want to form in my brain what I think about it a little bit better. Yeah, so we should put a pin in Slack and then maybe talk about it. Putting a pin in Slack. When I logged on to chat with you, I thought you might be in an office, but you are in a bedroom in a different country than you usually are. <laughs> Where are you? Yeah, doesn't everybody have multiple bedrooms in multiple countries? I thought this was normal. I don't know. Just not really. The question. Not really. The question is, where are you? <laughs> no, I'm in. I'm in my child childhood bedroom in Iceland. So I, I arrived in Iceland last Thursday. So I've been here for about four or five days now. Very nice. And yeah, but I believe you are also not in your regular home. Not at all. <laughs> I am uh, recording <laughs> from Colorado. And it's very Ooh. beautiful here. And there are lots of mountains. But I guess you, I mean, you have lots of mountains in Iceland, obviously, which are beautiful. It's actually very interesting because 
to up until the point where you went to Colorado, I was. It's weird to not be from the U.S. because <laughs> you know the basic geography, kind of like you know the East Coast and you know the West Coast, and then you know like Texas and some <laughs> you know places. But like Colorado, I was just kind of like, do I know where Colorado is? But I didn't really say anything because I didn't want to seem super dumb. But then I'm actually, I've been meeting up with one of your colleagues again. Yes. <laughs> who has lived in Colorado as well. Yes. And I just found it like such a coincidence that within literally days, <laughs> I was just... Yeah, Colorado suddenly just kept coming up. And your colleague, who is lovely, she was saying that Iceland is actually not that different from Colorado, in her opinion. Oh, interesting. It's, yeah, it's just, it's quite mountainous. Yeah. Um, the weather is quite, like, crisp, you know? Yes, absolutely so you, yeah, it is. <laughs> like, direct sun or windy or as opposed to... Rainy. London, which is just gray. <laughs> That would be really good. But so, yeah, so what are you doing? Are you working? Are you taking time off? Or what's what's the situation over there in Colorado for you? I am working. So here for two weeks and working the entire time in a makeshift office right now. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, doing some touristy things. That's about it. What I do you do as a tourist in Colorado? There are a couple of different things. Like all the mountains are very beautiful, so you can do – hikes but there's also this one area called the garden of the gods Ooh. and i have been told i was not allowed to google it i just know that it's going to be beautiful so um, okay no spoilers no spoilers um so i i don't know i will see that i think we're going in a, a few days so i will be able to see the garden of the gods at some point which will be really lovely Ooh. and i've just been i've just been hanging out i've kind of been relaxing here which has been really nice because I don't know why. For some reason, when I was in Toronto, I had a hard time relaxing for the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. But that was it. And so what are you – how long are you in Iceland? I don't even know. And what are you up to? Yeah, so I'm here for another week. Um, I'm. It's funny just because I hadn't really been in Iceland. I know I was here last month, but I hadn't really been properly since Christmas. And I don't know. Your colleague was going to be here. My parents were going to be here. And I felt like it was just kind of time. It was time to go back, time to spend some time with some of my people here. I have some friends I wanted to see. A couple of my friends have had babies I want to see. <laughs> Good reasons. So, yeah, so just family and friends. And the weather has been really nice over the weekend. So it's been – I've really been enjoying it. I've had a really good time so far. So – I'm very happy to be in Iceland at the moment. That's amazing. But, Whenever you're in Iceland, usually you go to, I feel like you go to a lot of events or your evenings are really full. I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to grab you for this recording. <laughs> Has that been the case? Have you been like super busy? Um, I don't know. I don't know if maybe just my mindset is different, but I don't know. I feel like it's less obligation things that I'm doing and I'm more doing things because I want to. So I'm still kind of doing the same things as I would, but I don't know, something has kind of, I don't know. Anyway, it, it doesn't seem stressful. It just seems very nice. And I think it's just the weather. The weather helps. The weather <laughs> is so beautiful at the moment. I can't even tell you. So 
I my flight was on a Thursday evening and I flew from London at like 9 p.m. or something. So it was kind of starting to get dark. And then as soon as we were in the air, we could see the sun kind of at the horizon. Nice. And we just kept flying into the sun, literally. I have never even experienced something like that. And then as we were landing in Keplavik, the airport, you can have fun trying to pronounce that. Um, <laughs> we were literally landing as the sun was setting. And wow. it was so beautiful. And then um, I got picked up from the airport. We were driving back and it was just the skies were pink. It's so beautiful. And we just have these super long sunsets and super long dawns. So everything is just pink and stunning. And I don't know. I'm obsessed with it. That sounds amazing. I have a list in my head of the most beautiful flights that I've been on. And most of them have had to do with sunrises. So I took a really Mm -hmm. early flight from San Francisco to Vancouver, which was beautiful. And then another one from Whitehorse to Vancouver, which was also very beautiful, Mm -hmm. like super early in the morning. And flying through literal pink clouds. Oh, my gosh. It's just you have to be dead inside to just not find that. amazingly beautiful and romantic and amazing wow I also I want to mention so you say that you've been like you've been feeling very relaxed I wonder if it's all the Ryan (laughs) Holiday the Daily Stoic that we've been reading I have I've literally been thinking that (laughs) I don't know I feel I was also reading another book sorry I'm jumping between sections but you know what you're gonna do about it I also read Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a recently Oh, I okay. I have had so many people recommend <laughs> this book to me. Tell me, I would love to know what you think. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Mark Munson is similar ish to like Ryan Holiday in terms of just being like a person who writes words on the internet and has a massive following. And he has written one of my favorite, favorite articles of my entire life about like sex and relationships. And it's basically saying, like, if you're both not super into it, what are you doing? And that's that's the premise. And I just think everybody should read that article like every six months. Doesn't matter if you're married, like whatever. Just read it every like six months. We will link to to it. (laughs) Yeah, refresh your memory of how you should behave as a human. And it's weird because you kind of expect the book to be like a little bit funny and a little bit silly. But it gets super deep, like super deep. And your mind, (laughs) you're a little bit like the, you know, whales or sharks or whatever it was in like Finding Nemo. You're like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) your mind is just blown. And it's crazy. And I'm in this weird moment. Do you know how sometimes, have you heard the phrase, don't meet your idols? Yes, I have heard that. Okay. I didn't meet him. Don't worry. But he, I'm on his email list. And then he emailed some article or something. And he does this super cool thing, cool thing where you can listen to the articles. Oh. So you can press play. And I think it's himself. He reads the article for you. Obviously, just recorded it. It's recorded. It's so cool. Wow. And I, that's neat. It's really impressive. Yeah. And I emailed back. I was just like, hey, that's a really cool feature. This shows I'm a product manager. I was like, hey, this is a really cool feature. Do you just record this yourself? And to me, he is like such a big name and I've been following his work for such a long time. I, you know, you don't really expect a response yes. from somebody like that. 
And then he just replied to me and I was so deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> I was like, what? You're a real human? <laughs> what is happening? Stop checking your own email. You're shattering the illusion. <laughs> yeah. You know, like on Twitter, when you follow like Taylor Swift, you can tweet Taylor Swift. You could be like, oh, you're amazing. You don't expect Taylor Swift to be like, thanks, sweetie. But sometimes she does. She, it. to me, is not a real person. She's just something else. Okay, speaking of people on Twitter, though, at one point, Ryan Holiday did reply to a tweet, and I lost it. I lost it. It's it's almost uncomfortable. It's like, why are you replying to me? <laughs> I sent it to the whole marketing team, and I was like, best, I don't even know what day it was. I was like, best Monday ever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird to have these interactions with people that, you have looked up to it for a really long time. No, but anyway, so getting back to the book, the book is absolutely fantastic. And I think it just goes down to prioritization and picking your battles. It's like, do you really want to get all worked up over this? Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I I now want to read this book. I will pick yeah. it up later today, I think. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned this in one of the last podcast episodes, but I take your book recommendations very seriously <laughs> now because they've always been spot on. I don't know if I told you that I finished Shantaram, which is like a super long novel, uh, like eight or nine hundred pages. I was just engulfed. I could read nothing else. All I wanted to read was Shantaram. And I found out at the end of the book that there is a another book that he's written, like a follow up. And I'm almost saving it. I don't know if that makes any sense because it is probably also a very long book and I'm saving it. I want to read it so badly, but I'm wait making myself wait because I know it's going to be amazing. I'm actually going to shatter your no. expectations a little bit. I haven't read it, but I think, I don't know if my mom was the one who recommended Shantram to me, but she at least has read it as well. And then she read the second one and she said it wasn't as good. Darn. Well, now I'm less excited. Yeah, so... Thanks for shattering all my dreams. <laughs> I do that. I do that for people. That's that's what I do. I'm like, mm, nah. <laughs> yeah. What else are you reading right now? Hang on. I just finished a book really quickly. Let me just grab my phone really quickly um, to see what it was. I don't even remember what it was. I'm actually going to open it on Goodreads because I update that. Oh, yeah. It was Sapiens. Sapiens. Oh, I know that book. I have, I feel like I've seen it on a list somewhere, probably a Goodreads list, but I don't really know it very well. You just finished it? Did you like it? It's phenomenal. It is great. It is, I don't know if you like it, but I liked it. I don't, see, this is, I think this is why you like my book recommendations because I'm careful not to necessarily recommend books to you that I like, but I'm not sure if you like. Mm -hmm. So, but okay, so this book, my dad was reading it over Easter and he was, it's really interesting because it's basically asking the question of what made humans dominate the planet over other animals. Very interesting. Which is an interesting thought exercise. And it's funny because my dad just kind of posed that question to me and didn't tell me what the book's perspective <laughs> was. And it's just an interesting conversation starter. Um, I'm not going to ruin the book for you if you want to read it. And then it kind of goes through civilizations and like there are just so many like thought provoking aspects of it. For an example, 
with civilizations is that it didn't necessarily improve everybody's lives. It just made more humans be able to survive so more humans could reproduce. So just because they're more humans doesn't mean the quality of life is necessarily better. That's a very interesting point. And that's just one of them. That's not even the most interesting one. I kind of want <sighs> to give one, which wasn't even the most interesting one. What's really interesting is this kind of history aspect of the Sapiens book, because I think I've been really obsessed with recently how I think we think about history wrong, because I think it's really easy to think history starts with like the Romans and the Greeks. But there was this video I saw ages ago, but it has really stuck with me. It was on this YouTube channel called like In a Nutshell, and he he's talking about how he has this suggestion that we should actually refer to time differently. So we sh it shouldn't be 2017 now, it should be 2017. And his kind of argument is that around 10 or 12,000 years ago was when we started to have agriculture. It's when the first early civilization started coming up. And it just makes it easier in our minds to understand culture before... Well, it's religion-based, right? It's like here, zero is Christ. Yeah. Because it's super arbitrary to have... Because there was a bunch of stuff that we know about and understand that happened before then. But it's really difficult to be like, wait, was Cleopatra before or after, <laughs> you know, the Mesopotamian civilization? You know, because you have to think in negative years, which just doesn't make any sense. But isn't that fascinating? I find that really fascinating. I, yeah, I absolutely, I really like that. But then it's funny because you've been, you've been sick and I actually was sick a little bit as well recently. And I ended up, <laughs> it's, it's possibly the most nerdy thing that I've ever done. But I ended up binge watching all of Crash Course World History. <laughs> Do you know about Crash Course, the YouTube channel? I have never watched it. No. I mean, apparently when I'm sick, I watch Shrek and you watch history <laughs> channels. Yeah. I don't know what is wrong with me. <laughs> no, I think you're cool. <laughs> yeah. why we hang out. I think you're cool. Oh my god! It was so interesting. Yeah. So anyway, so this this theme, like in the maybe last six weeks, there's just been this theme of history in my media consumption. It's been. I think maybe it's because nothing in the current time seems to make any sense. So maybe I'm just trying to make sense of things by going back to history and seeing if people, if things and people used to make more sense, you know, back in the olden days. That is very valid. Um, well. Yeah. As you can see, audience, we both love talking about books and reading. And we, <laughs> we would love to talk to you about reading and books on Twitter as well. We have a couple places you can do that. Um, hashtag MWW or at MWorkWork. And I think yeah. we'll reply. Won't we, Abby? I'll reply. <laughs> I find this super interesting. And I think, I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I... I find it really interesting when people are reading the same books that we're reading so you can kind of talk about it. And I've seen like some Facebook posts about the Sapiens book and I read them really thoroughly. And yeah, so if you have any recommendations, that's amazing. But also if you've been reading the same books that we've been talking about, I would love to see 
even if it's just your favorite quotes from Harry Potter, like I would actually <laughs> That would be fantastic. No, that would be yeah. that would be really great. We would love to chat with y'all on Twitter. Yeah, and then we can maybe talk about it on the podcast if there's some interesting follow-up we have on Twitter. Uh, I think we both quite like using Twitter, so I think this is a platform that's going to make yeah. sense for us to kind of be on. But yeah, at and work work. That's going to be us. Yeah. Let's move on to the, today's topic, shall we? Yeah, so what are we talking about today, Haley? Uh, I would love to talk about remote work and how we both work remotely and our our remote working styles, which is particularly relevant this week since neither of us are at home. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'd love to start first with a definition of remote work for people who may not know. And this, it's kind of a new, maybe it's kind of a new concept. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. For sure. I think, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will give, I'll give a definition a go and then maybe you can add on to that since we're both remote workers. I think we both have really strong opinions on this. Um, Okay. So I, well, I mean, working remotely, essentially not working in an office. So working Mm -hmm. for a company from either your own home or a co-working space or a cafe. Sometimes with remote workers, they are, have to be in a specific time zone or they have to be in a specific country to work remotely as a team so that they're all online at the same time. Sometimes there's multiple locations of cities where people work remotely or there's the idea that like one person is remote from an office or like my company, um, everyone is remote. None of us work from an office. But I think it's a little different for your company. Some of you are in an office, but there are two different office locations and then you're remote. Do I have that right? Yeah, there's more. So yeah, I think if if we're starting from the point of somebody who just has no idea even what that is just in general. So I think like working remotely just means there isn't a building you have to be at at 9am in the morning. (laughs) And it's just different because yeah, you can literally just, it doesn't matter where you're working from. You can work from home or you can work from a co-working space or you can work from a different country, but it's, it's also, I almost want to bring up freelancers as well. It's because it's not the same thing. So I work for one company and I work there and you do the same. Like, yes. it doesn't mean you work any fewer hours or you have any less responsibilities. You just don't have a physical space where you have to arrive at a specific time. So people sometimes think I work freelance just because they see me going between co-working spaces in London. But... I work quite closely with the team. It just so happens my team doesn't live in the same city as I do. Yes, we both have full-time jobs. <laughs> we both have full-time jobs. Like neither of us are consultants or freelancers, but we just don't have physical offices. And this is possible because we are both internet people. and We communicate using tools like Slack and Zoom for video chats or email or like there are honestly far too many ways that you can communicate. Trello is a big one. I know that your team uses and my team uses as well. So working remotely is is mostly just so you're not in an office. So it's all about communicating online and working together online. Yeah. So and that also means that I could meet you quite easily in Barcelona just because I wasn't taking any time off work. I just worked with you in Barcelona and from a different co-working space than my normal co-working space (laughs) but it doesn't really make any difference from what I normally do anyway like my work was no different that week than any other week 
And it's also quite funny because sometimes I have people come see me in London and I always work from a co-working space and we get to that in a minute. And I sometimes offer people if they have something to work on to come with me to the office. (laughs) And they think this is going to be like a fun thing. (laughs) And it's not. I literally (laughs) just sit down and over my computer and I'm tapped out. I'm not going to like chat with you, (laughs) you know. And I actually really enjoyed this when I was with you guys in Barcelona because we were like, oh, let's go to a cafe. And it was maybe six or seven of us. We just all met at this cafe and everybody was really polite and really nice. And everyone got their coffee and then sat down and everybody opened their laptop and nobody spoke for about three hours. <laughs> yeah, it's super normal. We were just all hanging out together and not speaking, but working at laptops. And my favorite was when, especially when it was we were back at the co-working space, so it was even more of your colleagues. People generally wouldn't really speak amongst themselves. But then every now and then people would start talking, but they'd be talking to somebody in the computer screen, but not to the people sitting at the same yeah. table as well. They do video so calls. It, yeah, so it can be quite abstract to work remotely. And I, I've i had people... I don't think it's for everyone. Like, I think you have to kind of either have enough kind of self-motivation or have specific things you have to meet from the company or from the team like some kind of goalpost or something yeah because working remotely no one is checking if you're there like nobody's <laughs> looking over your, people could just kind of trust you to do your job which is like not everybody is going to like that some people appreciate more of a back and forth and kind of pressure from your manager or something like that yeah, I also want to I also want to mention I want to like backtrack a tiny bit. We both work at companies that are very flexible about our remote work. So we can take off and be in a different time zone and it doesn't matter. But I do know people that have worked remotely for companies and they have to stay in one time zone or they have to stay in a city in case there are in-person meetings that they have to attend. So they're working remotely, they're not in an office, but it's a little bit more strict. Our cases in particular, we both work for very flexible companies where you can just take off and it's not a big deal at all. So I think that is that is quite unique. I think we're kind of on the, if you picture remote working as a scale, I think we're at like the far side where the other side would be going to an office every day. Um, yeah. But I think, but I think, I'm sorry, I'm going to disagree a little bit because saying you're not working in an office like I do work in an office I just don't work in an office that is the same office as my team so I work from a co-working space it's basically an office space so so working remotely just means you're not in the same location as your team I think that's the key yeah it can still be an office it can just be not necessarily your office if that makes sense I guess so I think I would define office I mean, uh, technically, you do work from an office space, but it's not an office where your whole team works, right? So I yeah. would, if you told someone, I'm going to go to my office, they might think you have colleagues there. Whereas if you say you're going to your co-working space, it's more clear that like you probably don't. Or if you do, but there's then, only a few of you. Then if you have, if we're talking about like we work and stuff, it's quite common that the teams have they're all in the same co-working space so then you'd still be that's going true. to a co-working space but your team would also still be there that's so true. i think 
I guess, okay, so I guess technically it is an office, but it's not your traditional idea of an office where you have all your colleagues. It's a yeah. space where you work. I basically think none of this is traditional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is all, <laughs> all kind of blurry. Then, but, then, but then it's also, I, even though it seems that my work is quite flexible, it's not necessarily as flexible as it seems because there's a reason there's value for my team to have somebody in London and I do have client interactions where I have to be in London for them and I've had to like not do stuff because I had to stay in London for things but because we have offices in different countries I've also had to go to those offices for a specific purpose and yeah. I probably couldn't just go to Australia for three months <laughs> and be on the opposite time zone to everybody else. So even though my work can seem quite flexible, it is maybe not as flexible as one might think at first glance. Whereas I think maybe yours is more truly... I know some of your colleagues were like in Bali for weeks yeah. or... Yeah, well, yeah. and some of my colleagues are just straight up nomads and don't have a home and just travel and work from different locations. One of my colleagues is currently traveling around the U.S. in an RV. So it's like, it's very cool. So I do think maybe the difference is that you do have offices that you're associated with in Portland and in Iceland, whereas we genuinely have zero office. And mm -hmm. it's just once a year when we all meet up that there is a specific requirement. I mean, technically, we can't all just travel at will because if we all took off, there is some sort of process. <laughs> We're not like crazy people. So you do have to talk to your manager, make sure that you can rearrange your meetings so that you can make your meetings. So for example, if I did go to Australia, I would be in a different time zone. Can I still make all of the things that I need to do? Um, usually, yes. But the only team that that is a little bit different with for my company in particular would be our customer service branch where we have people that work in teams based on time zones. So you know who's going to be online. So there would just be a little bit of an adjustment in their like quote unquote shifts there to make sure that the inboxes are all covered, et cetera. Yeah, I think I think you almost have to also include is obviously we're describing startup culture here, if that wasn't yeah. clear. <laughs> um, we we have to talk about like the holy nature of the stand up meetings <laughs> because i it's funny i see this in companies where I, that i know where especially if you have a remote team but also even if you don't where the stand up meetings for those who don't know what that is it's basically just a quick meeting either between teams or between the entire company where everybody just catches up quickly and says what they're working on and then everybody kind of scatters again. And this is normally like a short, short meeting. And you just can't miss those meetings. And everyone and does think, them differently. I think you have a daily stand-up, right? I have two daily stand-ups. Right, because you have two time zones to do them in. At the last company yeah. that I worked at, we switched stand-up a lot. But we started doing stand-up Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm -hmm. And we did it in person. We physically stood up in person because we were in an in-person office. Yeah, and it's it, and it's funny because it's easy to see how things can seem really relaxed, but they're really relaxed in some ways that are different to maybe more traditional things 
but they are strict in other ways. I was having coffee with somebody the other day and we both work in a in a situation where we can just go and have coffee and it's fine. But then his stand-up was coming up and he literally just had to bolt out of where we were sitting <laughs> to make a stand-up on time. So I, I think just because you work remotely and you don't have to physically be somewhere at a specific time doesn't necessarily mean you don't have to be specifically somewhere at a specific time. Yeah. And I think what is kind of interesting, we do not do stand-ups at my company anymore in my team in particular. You guys do a lot of meetings. We we do have a lot of meetings, but I think it's because we're, well, I guess it depends on the team that you're on. It's because you're trying to sync with people in multiple time zones. But the reason that we took away the stand-up for the marketing team is that there was no time that everyone could make. And so, oh, interesting. In, and we've also like, as as an organization, we've been leaning towards being very asynchronous, meaning that things don't have to happen at one time. We don't all have to be on, online at one time to get work done. Things can mm -hmm. happen asynchronously. So for example, I can edit a blog post and send it to my boss. And if he's in a different time zone, he can do work on it while I'm sleeping or something like that. And then the next day I can publish it. So work keeps happening. It's asynchronous. And for stand-ups in particular, those are very synchronous. Those This purpose is that you mm -hmm. all be online at the same time. So we've experimented with a couple of different things. One of them was using an app where we would make videos every day to share our stand-up. And that didn't quite work although we might try that again right now we do our stand-up in a uh, dropbox paper document we just all write weekly stand-up items like this is what i'm doing for the week oh interesting so we do do it a little different but i know that that's just the marketing team i know that the mobile team does things differently and the product team does things differently so yeah it's 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 really it's not necessarily the easiest of systems it does provide a lot of freedom, but it also requires a lot of discipline, I would say. Absolutely. So it's interesting because I, I try to kind of follow what people are doing. And I feel like some people have worked remotely. They go back to working with the team. And then people who work with teams, they go back to working remotely. And some people specifically want to work remotely. And some people specifically want to work with the team. So I think it's not. And I also think. The consistency is important. So when I'm working with people on the West Coast, which is not my favorite time zone. <laughs> I agree. But the the consistency of the thing works though. Like they all come like come to work at the same time. And yeah. if I have to ask them something, I have it prepared and I can kind of have a prepared conversation with them so you have to be disciplined also in conversations and it really helps to have the same consistency on that as well so I think it would be harder like you were saying that you don't do it's not like everybody's traveling all the time yeah it, there's still quite a lot of structure at least for me and the stand-ups definitely dictate just my schedule and when I go to work and when I finish and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think I really like what you said about discipline. I do think it takes a lot of discipline to work remotely, especially if you're working from your own home. So it's different if you have a co-working space that you go to or if you have a cafe that you go to and you're getting out of the house. But if you're working from your own home, you have to do these routines like 
you still have to get dressed today. And, you know, maybe you should make sure that your hair looks half decent because you're going to get on a video call. Um, or, you know, it, it can be a total, it can be very distracting to work from home because if you have laundry that you need to do or there's something else that needs to be done at home or especially a lot of my colleagues have kids at home, like that can be very distracting. I think quite a few of them hire sitters during the day when they're working. But um, I do think that discipline is a really big part of that. I remember at some point last summer, I was working from a friend's house and I was working from the West Coast. And like you said, the worst time zone. I think it is <laughs> the best coast. I think that's true. They say West Coast, best coast. I agree. Yeah. But worst time zone. Like, let's follow it up with worst time zone. <laughs> and I woke up every day at six and started working at seven. And so every day at seven, I was just because I felt like I was so behind everyone being mm-hmm. that that even I usually work from EST which is three hours which would be three hours ahead of the west coast PST but the three hours made an enormous difference so I started working at seven every day and my friend I was staying with her and her mom was there and her mom came into the kitchen one day and I'm like powering away at the kitchen table and she's like you must have a lot of self-discipline and I was kind of like why? And she's like, well, you're up working at 7am. And I'm like, well, I guess like the rest of them were sleeping. They were on summer vacation or something. And I was working and I was like, I guess so. But at the same time, in my mind, I'm like, I still need to get work done. This is my office is no longer a physical space. My office is my our my office is my device. Like my office is my laptop. Sometimes Mm -hmm. my office is my cell phone if I have Slack open there. And so when I open my laptop, I have to be very work mode about everything. Yeah, I've I've had the same because I work from a co-working space and last Monday, so yeah, last Monday was the Monday East, which is a word, look it up people, <laughs> Monday, I have seen, it was just like a great day in London and it wasn't really cold or anything, it was just kind of warmish and grey and you could almost just feel the Monday in the air, it was palpable <laughs> and it was funny, I was getting my coffee, I always get coffee and the guy who was serving my coffee was looking very Monday as well. And I just said something along those lines. I was like, what a Monday it is or something like that. And he went, yeah, I don't know how you do this, man. I would just totally stay at home if I, because from, and this is the thing, if you would look at me from the outside, it just looks like I'm just by myself and I just go to work and I have all this crazy discipline. But the fact is, I am accountable to a team, and especially mm-hmm. because the key people I work with are in Iceland, which is on the same time zone. So I'm having all these interactions online. It's just they're not visible to somebody who's looking at the physical me. <laughs> yeah, this gets really abstract really quick. <laughs> but well, I- just because just because the people you are accountable to are not physically there doesn't mean you have any less responsibilities if that makes sense (laughs) I mean I completely agree it's not like your alternative to going to work at the co-working space every day is sitting at home and doing nothing you still this is still a full-time job and you still have to go to work and for you going to work is a co-working space I've been going to a co-working space in Colorado Springs and I really like it I when I'm in Toronto I'm usually just at home but I think I might try working from different spaces again because it is nice to have that human interaction. And when I'm at home in Toronto, all I have is my cat. So it's nice to have other humans in your life. I don't understand how you can work from home as much as you do because I 
lose my mind <laughs> if I have to stay at home for more than like a day or two. And I remember this in particular project I was doing, I think it was like last summer. And it was this insanely intense application I had to do. And I had to create a video and I'd never made a video before. And then I realized I had to do an audio for the video. So I had to do it at home because obviously I couldn't record audio in a co-working space in London. Like that, of <laughs> so course, loud. Doesn't work. <laughs> and then because I'd never made a video, my audio and video wouldn't sync up because I had no sense of, oh, you have to make the, if there's a lot of visuals, you have to also make the audio long. you can't just have like three seconds of audio for like 30 seconds of screen time so and it was really stressful and it was this intense deadline and it was kind of this one shot application so it was high pressure and this is another thing I think also like with startups if you're working especially in a small team I don't have anybody else who does my job so if I don't do my job it just doesn't get done. I can't just be like, oh, I'm a little bit tired. I don't want to do this anymore. Can somebody take over? <laughs> like yeah. That is a luxury <laughs> that I don't have. So I just had to do this. And it was really hot. It was like the middle of the London summer. And I learned how to make frappes. I have a Nutribullet and I figured out how to make frappes with my Nutribullet. <laughs> and I was just making all these frappes. And I was completely wired. <laughs> and I was just sitting at home in like shorts and a t-shirt and doing this application. And it felt, by the time I finished it, it felt like I'd done like a master's dissertation or something. I was just so awkward because I hadn't interacted with humans for days. <laughs> and I like went to see my friends and I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> how are you (laughs) I I know that feeling (laughs) yeah so this is why I'm actually super strict I wake up every day and I every day go to I don't necessarily always go to the same co-working space um but I go to a co-working space or a coffee shop or hotel lounge whatever every day and it's quite nice because I live in like a part of London where a lot of people kind of live that lifestyle so I have friends who are not necessarily working at my company, but they are also working either as freelancers working remotely. And we can just kind of sit quietly next to each other and not talk. It sounds <laughs> lovely. very pleasant. It sounds lovely. Yes. It's funny because I find working from my actual home to be a paradise, whereas it sounds like for you, it is more like a prison. God. And then... I can just take like 45 minutes to prepare a sandwich or something. <laughs> it's like totally pointless. It's not even, it has absolutely no value. It's, it doesn't even have value for the amazing food I'm making. It's just, I don't even know. I can't. And this is why, because sometimes people think my co-working space is not like the most fancy co-working space, which I'm like, whatever, man, I don't really care about that. <laughs> But the reason I always go is because I get a lot of stuff done when I'm there. Like I arrive, I get my coffee, they have fantastic coffee and I sit down and I get to work and I get to work right away. And that's why I go because it creates this place for me where this is where work happens. Yeah. See, I think that the difference is that in your home, you don't have a desk or an office area. You have, if you work from home, you're working from the kitchen table, which is also used for eating. Whereas for me, I have this huge, awesome desk 
and this specific space devoted to being a tiny little home office that I adore. And so for me, I only go in that space when I'm working. It's almost like it's a very big mindset shift for me. So I don't work from my tiny little dining room table. I only eat lunch there. And then I don't work from, you know, I never work from bed. That is a huge one for me. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't work from bed. That is like a strict rule. But that that didn't even cross my mind to do that. To me, that's like, what are you, crazy? Honestly, though, people, when they find out that I work from home, specifically, like if I say I work from home, if someone doesn't necessarily know what I might mean by saying work remotely, or if I just phrase it, I work remotely from home, people Mm -hmm. think I'm just walking around in my pajamas, getting in and out of bed, working from my laptop with my cat. That's not the case. (laughs) I think you almost have more of a, like a natural discipline than I do, because I have to kind of force myself to like get up, have a shower, get dressed, get out of the house and then work. And then because I'm equally strict about not working from home, I've been getting a little bit worse about that, which I feel bad about. But I'm also equally strict about finishing work. And then when I'm done, I'm finished. I'm not going to go home and I'm not going to work. And I actually noticed this a little bit when I was sick because I was I was like too sick to go to work, but then I felt guilty about just hanging around. So I just kind of kept opening my laptop and doing a little bit of work. But this is, I think when you work remotely, you have to be as disciplined about going to work and getting stuff done as you are about not working. Especially because what I do, I find it very interesting. I, I can't... By the way, we should have prefaced this with like, we realize we're speaking from a position of privilege and not everybody has this option. Like this is obviously a privilege to be able to do this. Absolutely. But because it is fun and I like what I'm doing and I find it really interesting and I work with people that I like, it's really easy just to never end and never finish work. Yeah. So I try really hard when I'm home to not even take my laptop out of my bag if I can possibly help it because my laptop is set up for work and only work happens. I never even watch videos or anything on my laptop, but my laptop is just a work laptop and that's the only purpose it serves. So I think... Yes, I completely agree. I said this to my boyfriend the other day because he thinks it is a nightmare to have to work from home. And he would phrase it as have to, like (laughs) to have to stay at home all day and work. And he needs the separation between work, his physical workspace and then his home. And he was asking me about that. And I said to him, have you ever seen me use my laptop on a weekend? And he was like, nope. And I was like, that's because my laptop is my office. I genuinely do not open it when I'm not working. If I need to use it on the weekend, I don't know, it would be something like if it's like a side project I'm working on or something like that. The thing that I do is I close my bookmarks bar in Chrome because that's where Mm -hmm. I keep all my work bookmarks to turn off like some of my work reminders to myself. But the other thing that I do is that I have a home iPad that I use for Netflix. So I can watch Netflix on my iPad and it has no work notifications, nothing to worry about there. And so that's kind of like a device separation for me. I do the exact same thing. I have a home iPad as well, which is for like entertainment in the home. And it's funny, in the dock on my home iPad, I think I have Netflix, YouTube, and Spotify. Just the essentials. 
<laughs> yeah, this is entertainment iPad. This is not like a work iPad. Yeah. But yeah, but I think also with the with the never leaving the home, I think this is what I mean about you having like a more of a natural discipline, I think, because I would, I don't know. I just, it would also just drive me crazy to not leave the house. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I just... I just can't do it. I literally can't do it. And every now and then I, I have this day where I'm like, do you know what? I'm just going to stay at home today. And I hate it. And I like don't even enjoy it. And I don't even like myself for not having gone to work that day. <laughs> so I I really try not to do that. Yeah. It's funny because absolutely like I have to be very disciplined about leaving home as well. I try to plan things right for 6 p.m. or just something to happen that gets me out of the house so that I my there is a like clear end to my work day and sort mm-hmm. of a deadline that I have to be done by this time. So usually it's jujitsu for me in the evenings. I have to leave by 5.30. And so that, that way I'm done work by 5.30 kind of thing and I'm ready to go out the door. But I also sometimes go for walks just to get out of the house because I noticed this more in the winter. It was just the weather was not great. It was cold. People weren't really doing anything. It was more difficult to make evening plans. I had to force myself to get out and walk around in the snow just to get outside, just to like leave my house and not let winter hibernation sink in too much. I think this is critical. And I think what I really love, this is also again, like some crazy, sometimes I don't understand my life, but I walk to my co-working space and it's about 20 minute walk and there are co-working spaces that are closer to my house but I actually think that distance is really nice because it forces me to just walk that distance and it's just refreshing and yeah it's super and it's it's weird when you work remotely you don't just have to be disciplined about your work but you have to be disciplined about every aspect of your life yeah (laughs) because you have to basically you just have time and normally work imposes a structure on you that you have to follow, but you have to impose that structure on yourself. But then you also have to make sure, because if you work, I've worked lots of different jobs. Normally by the time you finish, you're like, yeah, I'm finished. Okay, now I'm going to plan all these fun things. You know, what am I going to do? But when you're the one imposing the structure, it is equally important to impose a structure of other activities as well. <sighs> so you don't just get sucked into work and nothing else and before you know it you just work is the only thing that you do totally a dangerous trap to fall into I 100% agree (laughs) (laughs) so you get to work from anywhere you get to work from home but you have Mm -hmm. to be very strict you have to be very disciplined you have to remember when to stop working yeah I think we sold this not at all (laughs) (laughs) everyone's like cool man I'll stick to an office (laughs) yeah it's like oh Tap out of that. <laughs> so do you find it different to work? Well, you do find it different because you just said you're working from like a co-working space now when you're traveling. Then when you're back home, you tend to work more from home. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think so. The thing for me is maybe that's the reason that I enjoy working from my little home office in Toronto so much because when I travel, that isn't an option. 
Usually I'm working from co-working spaces or cafes. Sometimes I have to move cafes throughout the day or you have to, you're always struggling to like make sure that you're charging all your devices. That is number one, your devices have to be charged. And I think I did that for so long that I was just so happy to have my own office in Toronto. And so that that's probably the main difference. When I travel, when I'm changing locations, I'm working from co-working spaces, I'm working from cafes. When I'm in Toronto, I only work from home. And it's almost like I get that, that feeling of changing locations and being around people and being in a different work environment when I travel. And when I'm at home, I get to relax and just be in my own workspace and not have to worry about my laptop dying <laughs> or the Wi-Fi being awful. That is probably another one that is enormous. So I think that's the main one for me. I actually think I just remembered because I remember, I think it was last year, you were doing so many different trips and you would maybe just be back in Toronto for a week. And then you would just kind of fully maxed out on after maybe like an intense trip that working from home was almost like a bit of a break exactly because but I think it's almost different because especially like this year I think both of us have kind of like slowed down a little bit on the travel so I don't know it's it's not like I'm jumping between cafes and hoping the wi-fi is okay (laughs) and I don't have a place to charge my computer like in that way it's just like an office like I have a place to charge my computer and the wi-fi is reliable and I can go for lunch and not have to repack all of my belongings and take them with me and ask a stranger to look after my laptop while I go to the bathroom I think I think that's I think it's different to work remotely in your own city than it is to be traveling and working remotely like I think those are actually two different things Absolutely. I completely agree. And I I have been doing less nomading this year. Like last year was a very nomadic year for me. And I was always away from home. And then I got the apartment in Toronto and started sticking around a little bit more. And this year has definitely been a theme of like sticking around my continent a little bit more. Just like reining it into continent at least this year. And so maybe that is the key difference because now that I've been working from home so much and I'm traveling a little bit less or changing locations a little bit less – that's now when I'm thinking of co-working space. So maybe that's maybe that's it. I think you have yeah. a completely different setup than me, don't you? When you're at home working versus like in your home city working versus traveling working. Yeah. But the thing is with me, I don't know. I so easily shut out the outside world. <laughs> I feel like you you find it draining to work. I don't know. I feel like you have more requirements of the co-working space or the cafe or whatever. But I I don't know. I'm quite happy just to... I don't know. There are different hotels and different bars. No, not bars. I don't work from bars. (laughs) But (laughs) different cafes where I work from. The only thing that bothers me is the one if it's like you have to leave your laptop in public to like go to the bathroom. Like that's the one I don't like. But I, I don't know. I also just value a routine. To me, that's the nice thing about a co-working space is that it just creates a very normal routine. I wake up, I go to work, and I go home. And I go at the same time. I leave work at the same time. So the fact that I'm working remotely almost isn't that big of a deal. I don't really think about it that way. That's a good point. I also think that a trend that is happening in this podcast is that we are both very routine oriented. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah I agree. That's interesting. But then, you, but then you also have the situation, I've at least realized this in my life, 
where almost no one seems to know what my job is. <laughs> because Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Because I don't have to be in a specific place. And to me, it's quite easy to go to Iceland because I have some colleagues here. And then it's also quite easy for me to go to the US because I also have colleagues there. So I don't... So, like, for example, if there's somebody I know in London, if I'm away for, like, three weeks and I'm in Iceland, this happens all the time. I come back and people are like, oh, how was your holiday? And I'm like, not a holiday. <laughs> this was something else, man. This was really, especially when you're working with your team, when you're not used to working with your team, it your work is very different because you're just interacting in a different space than what you normally do. Absolutely. So, it's very different like when you're in the same building as your team but no it's like when I go to Iceland it's not a break it's almost more intense than I think I'm the only person that goes back to London to relax just because (laughs) I have a lot of like friends and family here that I want to see but because I'm working full-time I have to kind of meet them outside their normal working hours so it's just a big piece of a puzzle to fit all the socials and the work stuff together but this time I've been in Iceland, I've been here for four days. Three different people have asked me and they've been like, wait, what is your job? <laughs> and I've realized more and more strongly recently that, first of all, I work in like an abstract industry because unless you work in tech, I don't think it's super obvious to you what that is. Yeah. And I even noticed this when I like get my haircut and stuff and people are like, oh, what do you do for work? And I'm, I hate that question because I'm like, I work with computers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to explain. How entire... vague can I be? <laughs> yeah. Do I have to explain my entire industry to you? Like, I don't really want to. So <laughs> that's quite abstract just to begin with. Then I work in like music tech, which is more niche and more... Like, it's not a consumer product. So I'm not trying to... Most of the people I meet, they're not going to be users of the product I'm working on. So I'm never trying to pitch my product or sell it to people, whatever. So that's another thing. It's like it's not even consumer-facing. And then the third (laughs) aspect is that I do product, which even people in tech, they're kind of like, do you even do anything? Like... (laughs) It's quite easy to understand what like a programmer does or like a CEO or something. But product, it's also different between companies. And, you know, marketing, you have like marketing 101 and you can buy the book and you can kind of read it. And then you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I see. You're communicating what your product is to the public. This is marketing. But product doesn't have a definition like that, I think. Uh, yeah, I can't even imagine. Like, honestly, it took <laughs> me a while to figure out what you did. And I think what's really funny is especially added to the fact that you don't go to an office is extra confusing for people and like it's people who work in a traditional industry. Absolutely. I It's funny mm-hmm. because I have different scales of what I will tell someone based on my understanding of their tech knowledge. So if someone <laughs> asks me randomly what I do, my baseline answer is I do PR for a tech company. And if they're in tech, they will ask, oh, what kind of tech? And I, I can be like software. And if they're in that area, I can even be like social media software or like maybe they use the product. But it's like 
it's a whole different scale. It's funny because I didn't even realize I was doing that, that I scaled it back so much to be really vague because so many people had no idea what I did. And I was at a co-working space in Toronto and I told a guy that I worked, I did public relations for a tech company. He was like, oh, which one? And he was just kind of like, oh, of course I know that company. Like, why are you saying just tech company? <laughs> and it was kind of, it was kind of weird. I was like, okay, I'm in a different environment. I need to like change the scale of how I introduce myself. But that's very funny. I totally relate to people not having an idea. Well, and it's different. Your parents work in tech. So this is kind of interesting. They mm. completely understand what you do. My parents, yeah. at one point in life, I was handling the company Snapchat for fun. Just like I was yeah. one of the people that managed the company Snapchat. And so I would be on Snapchat during the day for work and mm -hmm. or on Facebook for work or on Twitter for work. And I swear my parents are like, I swear for the first little while they thought I didn't have a real job and they were kind of concerned <laughs> that like I, I had like fallen trapped to some like too good to be true job and I was just on social media all day and I was gonna end up being a sham and I was gonna lose all my money and then, honestly so when we were both in Spain the week before that had been my entire company retreat and I brought my mom to meet all of my colleagues and my mom at my CEO and I feel like that's the first moment where she was like okay this is a real company and I've been working there for over a year at that point <laughs> Yeah, I heard even one of the, the kind of like top leadership people in your company, they joined quite early on and like their entire family was like, oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this sounds pretty risky. Like, what do you mean you just turned down a, because they got offered like a more traditional job and they turned that down to be at your company. But actually your company is my favorite example of this sometimes because everybody who works in our industry knows it really well. And you see that because just a random person that you work with might have a ton of followers on Twitter just because of the company where they work, which if you think about it, is actually a little bit random. <laughs> That's and, true. And because a lot of the people I know in London are like tech people. And it was funny because they know I know you and they know where you work because you've met some of them. And then I was just telling people I was going to Barcelona and some people were like, oh, you're meeting the Buffer people. <laughs> they knew. <laughs> but then if I'm explaining, for example, who you are to somebody else, I have to explain. It's not easy to explain who you are sometimes. And then, But then it's funny because if you think about Buffer, it's like, oh, you schedule your tweets. Like, that's the product, <laughs> you know? And if you're trying to explain that to somebody who doesn't know the value of social media... Oh, my gosh. It just seems so frivolous and pointless. And this is a much easier product to explain than the product I work on. And your company is so big and well-known, like, in the industry. But, yeah, as soon as you just take a tiny little step outside the industry... It makes no sense. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it yeah, it's it's very funny how that how that works because absolutely. It's it's like when I was telling my friends that I got this job, I was so excited and they all knew exactly what was happening and they all freaked out. And I used the same level of enthusiasm to tell my parents when I got this job and they had no clue. They did not. They did not know what, they were excited because I was excited. But they didn't really they didn't really get it the same way that people who already knew the company before I started there totally got it. I feel like you're yeah. one of those people, weren't you? Were you one of the people that I, you probably were? 
that I told yeah. and you freaked out immediately because you'd been like following I posts. Out. I've literally followed the company for so long. And it was interesting when I was speaking to your colleagues, it was almost the same experience for all of them. Like they'd been reading the blog pages and some of them used the product, some of them didn't, but everybody had been like reading the blog. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, a lot of my friends in London, they for sure know like what it is. But when I'm here, people just like, <laughs> and then you get into this difficult situation because so your colleague who's here, I have to explain who she is. And that's even more difficult because I'm like, <laughs> so I have a friend who's on a different continent, but I went to see her in Spain, even though she lives in America. And then she had more colleagues there and her colleague and her boyfriend are traveling because they don't have to be in a specific <laughs> office because they also work remotely. And it just, there's no quick and easy explanation <laughs> for this. So I just say they're they my friends and I hope nobody asks any questions because I don't want to have to go into like a 20 minute explanation of who these people are. Oh my gosh. It could get really intricate. If you wanted it to, it could get really intricate. And now we're all on the same zombie apocalypse team. Maybe you should just say that. How do you know these people? We're on the same zombie apocalypse team. I'm going to move one more time and then I'm going to stop. Yeah, you should you should have your hands leaning on the top of your thighs. No, I can't do should, that. I used to think of it as a meditation pose, and if it's uncomfortable, you're doing it correctly. <laughs> That's what I've learned about meditation.